0: Canadian convoy, rockin' through the night. We got
1: this Canadian convoy. Ain't she a beautiful sight? Come and join our Canadian convoy. Ain't nothing getting in our way. Come on, join our Canadian convoy.
2: So I am about to release a message to local police office and enforcement here in Ottawa. Right now, you have it within you, in your own discretion, to change the future of the entire world. Every one of you as individuals and individual capacity as a human being cannot deny how proud you are of these people that stand here in Parliament, because these are your people. You are so much more than the uniforms you wear. You are fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, brothers, and sisters to us all. Are you going to be able to live with yourself if you choose to follow the dictates of a corrupt and criminal, unlawful government who has displayed no respect for law, humanity, or life itself? Or are you gonna be the heroes that we believe you really are? Are you going to take a chance on us and allow us, your people, the opportunity to serve and protect the freedoms of your family and your children's families. It is the love of our great nation that has brought us here and together we stand in the face of unbelievable adversary. With great courage and standing strong, we will peacefully in unity through our courage, love, overcome these challenges presented by a tyrannical government that has not, that has created consistent divide. I am one canadian amongst an entire world that can evolve into unified together as one restoring democracy freedom and the rule of law please for the love of god for the love of each other and for the love of our children stand with us this is our message to the law enforcement that's present here in ottawa we are appealing to you now because every day there are new challenges that we face, and every day our movement grows and we unify. So we are officially asking the law enforcement and every police presence in Ottawa to stand with the people, because we are here standing for you. Thank you for your time.
3: Amen. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
4: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Randy Hillier. I'm the independent member of the Provincial Legislature representing the riding of Lanark, Frontenac, and Kingston. And thank you for joining us today on this very somber and overcast day in our nation's capital. Um, I'm just going to, this press conference, we're going to have a number of people which I'll introduce. Um, I would ask everybody that um hold your questions until all the presentations are complete each of the four uh, individuals who will be speaking today will have some brief comments maybe about five minutes in length and then followed by a robust and healthy and important uh, exchange of questions and answers Um, joining with me today is bruce party he is has been a lawyer and law professor for 30 years and serves as executive director of rights probe a toronto-based think tank we also have david amber is a criminal lawyer and member of the bar of quebec and ontario with over 12 years of experience and has say, been prolific in defending uh, freedom and people who have faced Uh, charges under the agreement in the last two years. And he is also joined today uh, with his colleague and associate, uh, Matthew Wolfson. We also have Cecil Lyon. He has practiced law here in the city of Ottawa for over 35 years. He is uh, known for the practice of dispute resolution and last but not least um, we have sandy a trucker from alberta who has been here since day one who has traveled many thousands of miles to come to the nation's capital uh, along with his family and his children and uh, he in my view personifies the freedom movement the truckers convoy, and so many others like Sandy who are here. So just a brief comment before we get underway. Um, The emergency act that is being invoked, in my view, demonstrates the gravity and just how dark the situation has become for our country never before in canada's history have we authorized the use of force and violence to resolve a public policy dispute never and that's what this freedom convoy is about is a dispute and a difference on public policy on covid mandates we have invoked the authorities of the emergency act on only three occasions in our history during the First World War, the Second World War, and during the FLQ crisis. In each of those cases, it was not just a threat, it was indeed committed acts of violence and an external or internal threat to our country. Um, It wasn't just, it wasn't a threat, it was actual actions that were being undertaken. Um, but it was not about a dispute of public policy between the citizens of Canada and our government. Um, the truckers' the convoy, as I've described in the past, um, not only has delivered hope across the country to Ottawa, delivered hope to our country, it has delivered hope to the world Justin Trudeau's invoking of the War Measures Act or the Emergency Act is an attempt to extinguish this glimmer of hope in this long, dark tunnel for the last two years. And I will say this, two years ago, our governments took the most heavy-handed the most extreme approach to deal with an uncertain time without cause or care of the consequences of those extreme measures. We instituted lockdowns against an entire society over a respiratory virus. We knew there was going to be harm and consequences from those actions, but our governments did them anyway and we all know a significant increase in mortality by people who were never at risk of COVID. That's what we did two years ago. We swung the very blunt hammer at a small fly. We missed the fly and we caused substantial collateral damage. Justin Trudeau is attempting to swing a very blunt sledgehammer again at a fly, a fly of protest on Wellington Street. He will miss that fly once again. The consequences, or the collateral damage of his actions, will be felt by all Canadians for a long, long time. Um, and and I'll end off with this. I'll ask all Canadians, whether they be in Parliament. Or whether they be on the streets of Ottawa. All Canadians, whether they view themselves as bystanders and spectators to this divining moment in Canadian history, or Canadians who are being asked to implement the enforcement and authorities of the Emergency Act. Do we as Canadians resolve our differences through? force and use of force and violence or do we resolve our differences through peaceful, civil means? That is the question that is put before Canadians today. Our history has been one of peaceful, civil discourse and to resolve differences in considered thoughtful manners. Our Prime Minister is asking us to to discard our history, discard our history, and to embrace forceful violent means to resolve our differences. With that, I would like to ask Professor Bruce uh, uh, Bruce Party to come to the podium.
5: So, when it comes to the Emergencies Act, the Emperor has no clothes, is the message I would like to deliver to you. You may have seen or read legal commentators say that the invocation of the Emergencies Act has not been proper, is not valid, has not been, the requirements have not been met, and they are correct. And I want just briefly to explain why that is. I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but I think it's important that we all understand what they're saying and why. So I want to start with the Emergencies Act itself. It is, as you probably know, a federal statute, an ordinary federal statute that already existed, has existed since 1988. It provides the the framework for a government to invoke as long as, as long as the requirements in the statute are met. And if those requirements are not met, then nothing else works, nothing else is valid. In other words, the government cannot act in this way unless it has statutory authority, right? So that's the first point. Second point is this, the Emergencies Act provides for four different kinds of emergencies, public welfare, public order, international, and war. Now, on this occasion, if you look at the proclamation, the, the declaration that the government has brought forward, they have chosen a public order emergency. So the other three are now out. We're talking about a public order emergency as defined in the act. So let's look at the definition. And the words, as is always the case when you're dealing with law, the words matter. The words matter. They define the line between lawful and unlawful. So here's the definition of a public order emergency. It means an emergency that arises from threats to the security of Canada that is so serious as to be a national emergency. Now as is so often the case in statutes, you have definitions that have terms that are themselves defined. So one of the requirements of meeting this threshold for a public order emergency is to have A national emergency. What does national emergency mean in the statute? It means this. It means an urgent and critical situation of a temporary nature that is either A or B. And here's A and I'll tell you B. A is this. A, it seriously endangers the lives, health, or safety of Canadians and is of such proportions as to exceed the capacity or authority of a province to deal with. That's A. B is seriously threatens the ability of the government to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity. Now those are the two choices. has got to be A or B. And in this case, I'll get to in a minute, the government has chosen A. So forget B. And the final bit of that definition is. And that cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada. Okay, So we're racking up requirements here. What do we have so far? Number one, in order to be validly invoked, there has to be a public order emergency that, number one, threatens the security of Canada. Number two, seriously endangers the lives, health, and safety of Canadians. Number three, exceeds the capacity or authority of a province to deal with. And number four, is not able to be effectively dealt with under any existing laws. If you do not meet all those four things, you have not met the threshold of a public order emergency. Now, that's the statute. That's the statute that has existed since 1988. Now we get into what the Trudeau government has actually done. The first thing they did is proclaim, invoke, declare that they were using the act. And in that proclamation, they have identified, as they are required to do, the
1: emergency they are acting on. How do they describe it? Well, in
5: several parts, but here's the key one. The emergency is. Activities that are directed toward or in support of threat or use of acts of serious violence. The emergency is serious violence. That's what the government has said for the purpose of achieving a political or ideological object. That's the basis for the regulations that they have now made. One providing for emergency measures on the ground, and one providing for economic measures, like freezing your bank account. So the question is this, is that a valid invocation of the act? Well, just this morning, in response to a report, the Minister of Public Safety was asked what the basis was, whether or not they had intelligence about the violence or the weapons. After all, keep this in mind, there has not been any violence in Ottawa from the Congo. There has been no violence. And so there must be some kind of evidence that indicates that there's going to be violence, there's going to be a threat of violence, because here again is the words. The words are in the proclamation the threat or use of acts of serious violence. In response to the question from the reporter, the minister said that there was no intelligence of the existence or presence of weapons in downtown Ottawa. And in fact, what he said instead was that the basis for the government's actions was... Rhetoric. Rhetoric. It was speech. It was the expression of an ideological position. Now, just for a moment, consider the implications. This is a government that has invoked an emergency statute on its own admission on the basis of something that somebody has said. They have no actual violence occurring. They have no intelligence about threats of violence occurring. I'm sure you can work out what the consequences are if this is to be considered a proper use of the Emergencies Act. Now, let's just take a bigger picture just for a moment. I don't wanna get too far into this and I don't want to I take up too much time, but just for a moment, consider this. The
1: ideology that is now in place in our political realm is
5: one in which language is being redefined. There's all kinds of terms that don't mean what they used to mean, racism for example. But included in that list are some very important terms that are very relevant here, like freedom. Freedom now means, apparently, safety. The rule of law means governments taking control of things for, quote, proper outcomes. And one of those words that have been redefined is violence. Violence can now mean words. Honking has been called violence. (laughs) (laughs) And they now are taking that literally. They have said they're proceeding against violence, and what do they have? They have words, they have rhetoric, they have an expression of a political position. And it is that rhetoric, it is that political position that they are afraid of. And that constitutes the emergency. And in a way, you know, it does it does constitute an emergency for them. Not within the meaning of the Emergencies Act. That does not meet that threshold. But in political terms, you could kind of see how this might be seen by them as an emergency. So I'll leave you with this thought: If this invocation of the Emergencies Act is valid, then governments have the power to declare emergencies and crush any peaceful protest, any dissent that threatens their political fortunes and ideology. And that's not the kind of country we want to live in. Thank you. Amen.
4: Thank you Bruce. Uh, Next I'd like to welcome David Amber up to the podium, a criminal lawyer here in Ottawa.
6: Thank you Randy and Bruce for those comments. Good afternoon everybody. I'm going to start by using a word that's probably already been overused but that would be the word unprecedented. Of course we would expect that the first time a statute is used particularly one of an exceptional nature it would be unprecedented but We didn't imagine that it would be unprecedented in this particular way where it appears to be a gross overreach for what the statute was created for. The the way the government has treated what's going on, particularly in Ottawa as an emergency, has unified honest people on both the left and the right in coming together to say that this is not what the act was meant for. And not only has there not been much scrutiny from a lot of the legacy media, But many of those, in social media and otherwise, are cheering on the Prime Minister and the government in taking this unnecessary step. I remember when many of those same people who are cheering that on were the same people in the media and otherwise who, when Harper wanted to get rid of the uh, long-form census, were up in arms about that. And yet, in this particular situation, we have a peaceful protest taking place in our nation's capital, And Prime Minister Trudeau wants to use the force of this exceptional power to shut it down. And many people in the media are saying nothing about it. It used to be that the media's role was to hold the government to account for the benefit of the people. But what we've been seeing in the last few days is is many in the legacy media trying to hold people to account for the benefit of the government. And that's just not acceptable. Now, yesterday, here in Ottawa, the police handed out a number of flyers basically saying in no uncertain terms, go home, leave the area. And we know that that's the basis for the invocation of the Emergency Act here. But I wanted to make a few observations uh, about whether or not it requires people to have to leave. Now, I will say that my comments today should not be construed as legal advice. One of the reasons why is that each and every person who may wish to have legal advice has their own unique circumstances and facts that apply to them. But secondly, one of the reasons why I've refrained from giving prospective legal advice in a situation like this is because there are so many unknowns. We're dealing with an act that has no jurisprudence, that has no precedence, and we're dealing with a climate that's highly politicized. And so I may make some observations on what I think the law should be, it, reading it, and not just what it should be, but my interpretation of how the law will be interpreted, and Justin Trudeau may have the authorities overstep that. So I can't predict what will happen, but I can make a few observations. The first is that although Justin Trudeau, through his rhetoric, and the police to the flyers that they've handed out yesterday seem to be suggesting that if you don't leave, you'll be in violation of the emergency order. That may not necessarily be the case. I've looked at the regulations that were enacted under the proclamation of the emergency order. And uh, as mentioned earlier, one of them deals with the situation on the ground and one of them deals with the financing. Looking at the first one that deals with the situation on the ground, it lists a number of things which are prohibited. And what it says under section two of that regulation is that a person must not participate in a public assembly that may reasonably be expected to lead to a breach of the peace by, and it lists three things. So it's just not any breach of the peace. It needs to be a breach of the peace that leads to the serious disruption of the movement of persons or goods or the serious interference with trade. Number two, the interference with the functioning of critical infrastructure. And number three, the support of the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property. And so Justin Trudeau has said that he is not trying to suspend the rights under the charter, nor nor could he. The the emergency act specifically says that the rights under the charter must be adhered to. And so this wording would seem to me, probably had some lawyers involved in, in drafting this, to try and allow for the continuing of lawful protest. And the Emergency Act only targets somebody if they are seriously disrupting the movement of persons or goods or dealing with the infrastructure or otherwise using violence. Now I'm not going to address my comments to any of the protests that took place at the border. Many or most, of, if not all of those protests are, are under control and are not what we're talking about here today. What I'm talking about here today is in the city of Ottawa. The number of truckers who have come here and supporters who have come here to Ottawa, many of them are lining the streets, park illegally. Is that a serious disruption of movement of persons? I note that since the very beginning, the truckers have left lanes of traffic open in almost all of the locations where they have been protesting. In fact, where roads have been completely shut down, it's mainly been due to the response by the authorities to shut those roads down using barricades or police vehicles. And so while I'm not necessarily saying you will be safe if you remain here or leave your vehicle here, we've seen that this government will engage in overreach. But what I'm saying is that if anybody gets charged Myself and Mr. Wolfson, Matt Wolfson from my office, we're gonna be defending as many people as we can against any charges brought under the Emergency Act. And aside from, as Bruce mentioned, attacking the basis for the act to have even been invoked, we will certainly look closely if a person has actually engaged in the quote serious disruption of of movement of persons uh, or the threat or use of serious violence. Because I haven't seen anybody, I haven't seen any violence here in Ottawa, I've not seen any uh anything any uh interference with the functioning of critical infrastructure and to the to the extent that there's been a disruption it's not been a serious disruption to the movement of persons or goods but it's been a disruption to justin trudeau and he finds it inconvenient to work in a democracy where people can disrupt his political wishes and so again i cannot predict how the act is going to be enforced but the mere act of staying to voice your protest and even violating some laws such as the parking regulations, in my estimation, do not constitute the type of emergency that is referenced in the regulations. I'll, I'll be here to answer any questions. I just will say one other thing since I've been getting so many phone calls about this over the last few days. Many people in the community have donated money in support of the truckers i i don't believe that anyone can say that they did so in bad faith i think that the truckers were holding positions that were very important and not just to them but for all canadians and so people who donated to to these to the protest should not feel ashamed of having done so now if there is any connection for anything moving forward uh, to any of the things i listed a serious disruption of movement or persons Uh, or goods uh, or the serious interference with trade infrastructure or violence. If there's any donations that tie to that moving forward, certainly the government does have the power to act and have financial institutions act. But all I would say is to those who have already donated and are worried, until or unless you actually run into an actual problem with an account being frozen or the authorities contacting you, I've seen a lot of people who were borderline in tears uh, wondering if their house would be taken from them, if, if they'd be able to feed their kids. I want everyone to, to know, at least for now, operate under the assumption that things will be fine if you made a small donation and if you hear from your bank or the authorities regarding it, then contact uh, either myself or in the case of uh, the bank freezing your assets a civil litigation lawyer and we'll see what we can do to make sure that your interests are looked after. Uh, I'll, I'll take questions
4: at the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, to David. Um, your One comment there, I have to make a comment on that. He, David mentioned that uh, nobody should be ashamed of donating to the Truckers Convoy. Of course, I concur, concur. there's only uh, one one party that I think you should be ashamed of if you've donated to the
1: liberal party. Uh, yeah. uh, let, me, uh, let me welcome uh,
4: noted Ottawa lawyer, a Cease a up to the podium. Thank you.
7: all your credibility by saying that. <laughs> nope. So it's a function of age. Uh, so why am I here? Well, uh, I've been practicing law not quite as long as Randy suggested, not quite 35 years, but for a long time. And my expertise is in dispute resolution. And you've already been schooled by Professor Party and by Uh, Mr. about the intricacies of the law. It seems to me that what we have here is an absence of problems in our society. In fact, one could argue that our society is working quite well as it is, and people are doing what they should be doing when they disagree with what the government is doing. What isn't appropriate is what the government is doing. It's been described as an overreach. I would go further than that. I would say an exponential overreach. Let's look, the facts are that this piece of legislation historically until it morphed into the Emergency Act was used in World War One, World War Two, and at the October crisis in 1970. So Justin's Papa, where he said famously, just watch me. Those are the three instances that this piece of legislation has been used. Now it's been changed dramatically to protect people's civil liberties and to, Uh, allow for more oversight but to me this is an egregious example of the government losing its way and not looking at how you should resolve a dispute my expertise is in dispute resolution it's about how people can get by conflicts and you don't bring out as mr. Hilliard said Hilliard said uh, a sledgehammer to kill a fly you engage you have a talk you chat the examples throughout Canada, from Coutts, Alberta to Emerson, Manitoba, to the Peace Bridge, to the Ambassador Bridge, to the bylaw that the single citizen in Ottawa—not bylaw, sorry—the injunction the single citizen in Ottawa obtained to curtail the honking for certain hours, well, been complied with. The bridges are open. Canadians are, by and large, law-abiding citizens. So where you have a government that so overreaches that it brings in the most extraordinary piece of legislation in its arsenal, it has no other weapons in its quiver, no other arrows. This is it. So it's brought out the thermonuclear bomb to deal with what, a peaceful protest? There's no examples. I mean, I've been watching the news. I think most Canadians have you see hot tubs, people playing hockey. How unCanadian! canadian uh, Nobody's been, aside from the residents of downtown Ottawa, yes, they have been inconvenienced, but unfortunately, one of the prices you have to pay to live in a free and democratic society is putting up with things that you don't agree with. Uh, as I would tell my son, just deal with it. The reality here is that we as a country have a decision to make. Do we respond to this overreach by just rolling over and uh, saying, yes, Justin, you go ahead and do whatever you want? Or do we stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Find a better way. There are better ways. It's just that Justin seems incapable of finding those better ways. Maybe it's his lack of experience. Maybe it's his lack of education. Maybe it's uh, reasons that I can't even imagine, But but the fact is that the government failed in its obligations to the citizens of Canada by engaging with them. And I commend the truckers. I don't agree with everything that they say, but I don't have to. I can certainly stand here and defend the right to say it and to protest. And when my government overreacts, to say, government, you're wrong and you need to back down. Thanks very much.
4: And now, last but not least, thank you Cecil, uh, is Sandy, if you'd come on up and uh, share with the audience your thoughts today. Hi
8: there, Uh, my name is Sandy Williams, little town in northern Alberta. Um, can we, so of <coughs> this uh, message was sent to me today from one of our guys, a good fellows from our block that uh, it, it became pretty tight to everybody hanging out up there. Um, so i want to share this with you guys. Uh, I hope that we all in here realize this is our stand. This is our chance. We won't get another one. If anyone leaves, don't think that they will stop. If it's not today, tomorrow, next week or next month, They will come for us in one way or another whatever they can threaten to take from us is not worth having it if our country is not free or our children have to live under a dictatorship let them come and unlawfully get us as soon as they let me out i'm coming to haul my ass back right here if needed godspeed um so that today basically is where a lot of us are feeling. Everybody that's out there right now, we went through some issues here the last couple of days, and lots of warfare, psychological, and we could not. But it's in everybody out there to realize exactly why we're here. So um, that's kind of the way everybody's feeling out there right now. The Fellas are holding the line, but I just want to share like why we came, coming across this great country and getting here, and I guess it come pretty clear as soon as we got here what our mission was, and it was to meet people and started as a truckers movement, I guess. And what we see here right now is every walk of life, right? From nurses, to doctors, to uh, scientists, to lawyers, to people that lost their work. We hear stories all day long, and it's probably the most moving thing. I don't know what's just people being real people. We don't have all that crap going on with the site where the surface battle or meeting real people. We brought our kids, we brought uh, people together. And bouncy castles, as like Randy said, and pancake breakfast last Sunday. And this has become one of the biggest block parties. That's the feel on the street. So to, to take something like this and make it a um, what do you call it? Emergency act or whatever, <laughs> something violent is un- unbelievable, right? To to uh, so all I can say is that we came in peace, and we're going to be leaving in peace this school. And we're that's not ever changed. And uh, it, their move is theirs. Right, to make, that's where we know where we stand. On the right side of history, and firmly planted. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Sandy. I want everybody just, I'm going to stand back for a minute, and I want you to take a picture, because this is the picture that threatens Justin Trudeau. This is the picture of violence that necessitates the war Measures Act in Canada.
9: And then we'll be questions. Thank you, Sandy. What's the not smile on my way, Questions here we go. Yeah, that's actually for Sandy Williams. Um, Sandy, uh, we were listening to the, the Prime Minister talk this morning. He was using very extreme language uh, towards uh, towards the people that are at uh, at the Freedom Convoy. Uh, can you just uh, tell us, like, your response and how you feel about being labeled as as you and your family and people at Bouncy Castles as terrorists?
8: Well, yeah, that's a. honestly, we don't dive dive into that. I've been taught a long time ago to stay on the positive side of things and you look at what you want to be going towards, not getting sucked into. So one way that I put it is there's an 11-year-old over at our little village we've created over there, and he walked up and said, 11 years old, I've become a a domestic terrorist. We all have a pretty good laugh. (laughs) So if that's the face of that, that's where we're at, right? Right here.
1: Um, This is for Mr. Carden. Mr. Pryor, you wrote a, an
5: article before for the National Post saying that the charter has basically been trampled on since COVID
7: came to town. What can Canadians okay. expect in terms of the government, the House, actually following protocols to invoke this measure now, since they haven't been following any good
5: rules anyways? Right. So, if in fact what I've said is correct, that the threshold for invoking the Act hasn't been met, that doesn't mean that things will stop. In less than until somebody goes to a court to say that very thing. It'll just carry on. Because, frankly, what I've said is an opinion. And on the other side are going to be other opinions that think, yeah, yeah, we have, so we're, we're going to carry on. So the court gets the last word on this. The court will take those words that I cited to you and will apply those words to the facts. And those facts will consist in part of what the government has to offer in terms of what's actually happening. And if all the government has to offer, as I suggest it is, words, rhetoric, and not actual serious violence, well then, I would like to think that the court will conclude that the threshold has not been met, and therefore everything that has happened pursuant to the statute will be void, invalid. Now, keep in mind that what I've just described has nothing itself to do with the Charter. The statute has its own requirements, and the first thing is, whether or not those requirements have been met. Now, even if they have been met, then we get to a second question about whether or not the measures put in place are consistent with the charter. That's that's an additional extra case that has to be argued, and I'm sure that it will be. I would expect that case to be brought to a court to see just that. Does that answer the question? Yes. Question here. Oh, uh, yeah, this is uh, Jen Torma for Steel Truth. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead, Anne. Hello.
3: Yes, yes, this is Dr. Graves, and I am a physician in uh, the heartland of America, and there's several things that I would like to make a comment on first, and that is I would like to commend these brave people who have come forth, and they are standing for democracy. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you know it or not, The whole world is looking at you right now, whether what your decision will be, whether democracy will live or whether democracy will die. And you are at that helm right now, before you lie democracy. And I want to know what misinformation, uh, there's a misinformation campaign in healthcare, not only in Canada, but we certainly have it here in America. And I want to know what basis that your uh, Trudeau is actually saying uh, to base his scientific uh, facts on in making these mandates. What, and they need to be questioned. Show us the science. Show us it. I continually am asked, where is the science in mandating a mask when a coronavirus is 0.125 microns and the masks don't actually filter anything 0.3 0.3 where is the science on how this is a microvascular disease i want to know what is that and what is he basing it on and i thank you so much for your time
4: well thank you for your comments i think uh, i don't know if there's anybody is willing or able or uh, mm-hmm. to actually address some of the stuff that you said. I, I want to thank you for the, the kind words. Um, um, but um, does anybody want to, I can just, I think I can just say there, there has not been any demonstration of the science that anybody is aware of anywhere in the world, uh, to the doctor from the Midwestern states. Uh, anybody have any further comments on this?
3: Well,
6: I'll say one thing. Right. One general point is that people keep saying, follow the science, follow the science. For the longest time, this has not been an issue of science. This has been an issue of setting priorities. Governments, going, governments that have been making decisions had to take into consideration a number of things, including the science, but also the economy, the, the health and well-being, the, med- the mental health and well-being of the citizenry a bunch of different factors, uh, democratic concerns, rights-based concerns. And so when, when Doug Ford or Justin Trudeau or any premier says, follow the science and basically abdicates its role to the decisions of non elected health officials, it's not an issue about not following the science. It's an issue that our leaders have chosen to abdicate their role in setting priorities.
5: I have, I, have I have a question for the lawyer there that was just speaking. Yeah. Uh, I'm an individual, Sean Zimmer from Winnipeg. I have my bank account frozen. I've been uh, bringing funds in to help feed families and keep uh, just rent Airbnb. So I have no worries, we have many ways to go around that, but the individuals watching who are having bank accounts frozen that are letting that fear and are worried. What would you suggest? Do you have any contact information on where they should go and who to speak to on such? i'm just going to try
4: to re, uh, reiterate the question for everybody that maybe watched online absolutely so, um, so the question is about uh, your account has been frozen that's correct my has personally it's not a concern of myself but i know others have that are concerned so and what a advice response from david amber regarding those people who may face that correct yeah
6: so I, first I'd say I'm very sorry to hear that your oh, account don't
5: be. was it's okay was it's frozen
6: okay. Uh, I mean what I've been fortunate to hear is that most of the people who contact me it's not fortunate that they're contacting <coughs> me, they're quite upset about it but I would say 95% of the people that have contacted me they're, they're they have not been frozen and they're more concerned about what may happen right so my advice earlier was uh, if your concerns are legitimate but wait until a shoe actually drops before you get worried. In a case like yours, where your account has actually been frozen, I would suggest contacting civil litigation counsel at the earliest opportunity and engaging your bank because, I mean, there could be long-term consequences if if your relationship with your bank is is terminated. Mm And there might be a way of dealing with this at the civil level. That's outside of my area of expertise, though. Gotcha. Thank okay. you. Next question over here. Uh, yes.
9: <clears throat> so my question is for Do- uh, uh, Mr. Party.
1: Um, I keep, and uh, we
9: keep hearing about the uh, the science being spoken to about the science, as opposed to simply science. It seems like there's a uh, how can I say a uh, parti. There's. It's going to
7: one end as opposed to being science in general. You wrote an article on this. Could you please speak to that
5: a little bit? Sure. Thank you for the question. So the science is the dogma. Yes, that's what it really means. Science does not work by consensus. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. But I know enough about it to know that that's not the scientific method. In order for science to progress and to develop, you need disagreement. That's its fuel. So let's go back to the word that, that, that arose a moment ago uh, from this question which was misinformation right? misinformation whenever you hear the word misinformation that's code for censorship right? in a free country you are allowed to say what you think is true whether it's actually true or not the test for free speech is not true because if it was, we would put our government into the position of being the one to judge what was true. And that's exactly the opposite of the way our free country works. Okay? So there's an expectation that has developed that's very dangerous. And the expectation is that the government will make sure that what I hear on the news is correct. And that's actually the opposite of the way it should be. I mean, I would suggest this. I would suggest that when you watch the news or are online reading something, the starting position, the default position, is you should assume that what you're seeing or reading or hearing is false, because that's the sign of our free country. And then you can work it out for yourself. That's the job of a free citizen. If you're expecting your information to be filtered so there's nothing there but the truth, then you're probably going to get the reverse. Thank you for the question. Thank you. you. we're going
2: to go over here. Uh, Myself. This is for you, uh, Randy Hillier. We got to the uh, Parliament Hill today and there is new fencing that has been erected. I asked a couple of police officers if they knew anything about it. They said they arrived at work today and uh, they did not know that the fencing would be up and that the police had not put the fencing up. Any word on why there is new fencing around Parliament and who might have done that?
4: Well, I don't have any facts or evidence, you know, any factual comments on who has put it up or when or or why. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, I think the response that I would provide is Trudeau has invoked or declared the state of emergency, but he has not yet gained parliamentary approval or acceptance of his declaration. And I would say to everybody, for Justin Trudeau to enact any measure under the Emergencies Act, prior to gaining full parliamentary approval through a vote, which is expected on Monday night, is an abuse of the process, as well as the abuse of the declaration of emergency. There is nothing Imminent. that indicates that they need to execute any, any portion of the Emergency Act before Parliament either provides its concurrence or its rejection, and I certainly hope they reject that,
6: uh, that measure. I have a question here. Yeah, Greg Wycliffe. So we live in a democratic country, right? And a democratic country has debates. For those keeping track, in the last federal election, there was no debate on mandates or passports. Two-part question, is debate dead in this country? And more importantly, how is the trucker convoy supposed to negotiate with the government when they clearly do not want to listen to you?
4: So the question is, is debate dead? And how is the trucker convoy to negotiate uh, when they clearly don't want to listen to you? Uh, is there a particular person that you want? That- I would love
6: to hear comment from any uh, any Bruce, any lawyer who would like to chime in with
5: me. any thoughts, really. Well, the the willingness to debate certainly is on the on the on the downward trend. Yes, it's. Uh, see, I think what is happening over time is you're getting the you're getting an ideology that thinks it owns the truth. And when you own the truth you don't want to debate because to do to, it to admit that you're going to debate means that there might be another version of the truth the willingness to engage in another person's perspective so if you're monolithic about what is true and good then debate doesn't fit well very well in that i'm not sure that i can go much further than that without going down a rabbit hole um, we'll anybody
4: else
7: who <laughs> <laughs> the deads? We're very, we're very friendly. Um, it's a really good question. I, as a, just a regular citizen, ask that of myself frequently. People don't debate anymore. People don't engage anymore. People just talk at each other. And when you have a federal government that, as Professor Party said, owns the truth, there's no incentive. You can't bring people to the table who have an unshakable belief in what they're doing. And, and you know, of course, there are lots of theories about why it is they're doing it to maintain you know, elites and that sort of thing. But uh, to, to, in, a, in a dispute where people have differences, unless you can bring them together and find some commonality, I mean, a good starting point would be Canadians who like to talk to each other, then you're not gonna get anywhere. I'm not very good at telling jokes, but my favorite Canadian joke is this. How do you get 20 Canadians out of a swimming pool? Just ask.
1: <laughs> right?
7: We are a compliant lot by and large. And, and if you look at the history, uh, I mean, we have unfortunately the experience in the United States in, on January 6th of last year. That's not Canada. We don't do that. And I'll just bring back to the comment about the science. There is no one right answer You can go to Denmark, you can go to Sweden, you can go to the United Kingdom, you can now go to Saskatchewan and get differing views about how to deal with this. You have a prime minister who's doubled down on how he wants to handle it without really engaging with the citizens. And unfortunately, that's going to lead to an intractable dispute because no one's going to talk.
4: Thank you. uh, Cecil. we're going to have Matthew just respond quickly to that as well
10: microphone up close. Yes. yes, thank you, Randy. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Matthew Wilson and I'm, associate, I'm an associate of David Amber. I haven't had a, I haven't had a speech that I've prepared today, but I'd just like to supplement some comments that have been made by everyone here. And no debate is not dead. The fact that we're all here and the fact that we're speaking about this is testament to the breath of life that we've given it. It continues, but it is under threat, and it is under threat, we know, because we have a head of government who has shown a lack of commitment to it. As has been pointed out, he will not sit down with people to even understand what their objectives are with, when they have the temerity to show up at the na- at the nation's capital and protest the direction this country has been going. I've had an opportunity to read the regulation recently made under the Emergencies Act. And as Ms. Anber has discussed, there is a prohibition on public assembly that may reasonably be expected to lead to a breach of the peace. It is the, It is the first provision in this regulation after the definition section. I would argue it is the priority and the thrust of this regulation. And that prohibition on participation and attendance at this assembly, is quite broad, quite vague. It gives the government a very large reach and a wide net to cast. It does not circumscribe where people are expected, where people are allowed to be and where they are not allowed to be. That in and of itself is a deterrent to people who wish to come to this protest. The last provision sets out criminal penalties for taking part in that sort of assembly. And that will have a chilling effect. And I think that speaks to the threat that currently exists on debate in this country, particularly with respect to this pandemic and the science behind it.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this gentleman over in the corner there, you've been waiting for a while. Yeah, the,
6: uh, the gentleman spoke of uh, the Emergency Act being, having to be dealt with in the courts. Uh, Can you tell us what the steps are to get from here to there and has that been undertaken or what happened
5: for that? Here we go. Whether and how far along somebody is with that enterprise, I couldn't tell you because they would be acting probably on, on their own. Uh, it's not any more complicated than any other kind of, of challenge to government authority. Uh, you need to find a plaintiff or an applicant, you need to find a lawyer, you need to file some papers, and away you go. Now, the difficulty is that to actually get to a final hearing takes some time and probably too long. So what probably will have to happen in the meantime is you'll have to apply for, uh, for an injunction. And the threshold for an injunction is, is quite high. It will be higher than for the case itself. And that's why there've been several applications for injunctions made through the COVID period to challenge COVID rules, which uh, generally speaking, have not been successful because of that higher bar. But that's the kind of thing that would need to happen.
6: So if, if it doesn't happen, because that sounds pretty difficult.
5: No, not gonna, impossible though. I right. mean, g- given the circumstances, I would like to think that it's got a pretty good chance. We would all like to yeah. yeah. uh,
7: But if it doesn't, then where does it go? Like it just, there's no other way to challenge what
5: has happened? Well, if you apply for the injunction, the injunction is turned down. That doesn't mean you can't proceed to, to the hearing of the of the actual case. And just in the meantime, things would carry on as they are. Thank you. We do have a few guests
4: that have to leave soon, so I'm going to take two more questions with one here. Yes, thank you so
2: much. So uh, this question would be for a lawyer. Um, uh, and it's quite a common question uh, out there. My daughters are currently in Australia and with the mandates um, now um, with having to be vaccinated, um, can Canadian citizens return to Canada legally uh, without being vaccinated? And just another thing, because they are manding, mandating it in Australia as well, that in order for them to board a plane, that they have to be vaccinated. So can I just get your thoughts on that for, for Canadians? And uh,
4: so the question is about vaccinations for canadian citizens returning exactly to canada um i can answer that there is no requirement to be vaccinated to return to canada canadian we cannot prevent you from returning however what the other countries uh, the originating countries requirements are um that's uh, does anybody want to speak to that specific uh, i'm not sure what the Australian. Rules are and um,
1: anyway, did you? Five no, okay, final question, and
4: then we'll. Uh. So, my question is to uh, Sandy. Um, Sandy, uh, you've come
6: here um, as a family man, um, you've come here with a bunch of strangers. Could you please explain to the audience what has been created and what you're creating in your truck zone, your truck block? What are you guys creating over there? Just explain. Everything that you told me about the growth, you know, the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. explain, I think people need to really hear what's actually happening on the
8: ground. Yeah, um, yeah, we spoke about it here last night, Already, had you stopped by, and so, yeah, basically what's getting created is a sense of community like you wouldn't believe, the, the type of community that we had when we were growing up. More, more mm-hmm. grassroots people had time to talk, but they, they weren't, uh, Caught up with everything that is it, it's and it's completely organic. People are all here in the right reasons. Like I said earlier, that all the people that are that are showing up to talk on the street to make it just unbelievable. And it starts in the morning and ends late at night, and everybody's just coming by and they're sharing stories, right from federal workers to uh, you name it, every single walk of life that's been affected by this pandemic um, or whatever you want to call it but uh and you yeah, yeah. your pig roast. Oh, oh pig roast! yeah we did a pig roast last night. Yeah. yeah we're in a state of emergency we had <laughs> we spoke burnt the pig <laughs> but uh no yeah sense of community unbelievable these friends these guys that we've met everybody that's part of this whole movement will be friends for for the rest of our lives like it just anchored everybody together but yeah. uh, we got asked the question the the day one of the girls stopped, stopped by a young gal from t- uh close to here she said when are you guys going to go home and uh, not many guys would really give it much thought. Cause we don't really have, that's out, <laughs> out of our hands. But it's uh, something I thought about this morning when I woke up. We've got lots of chores to get done at home. We, want, we need a home that we'd like to be back at, right? And uh, the message has been very clear since we rolled in here that uh, we just want our freedoms back. And the, uh, the sooner we can get all that answered, Ottawa, we're, we're gone more we're gladly. This is a beautiful city, but we got beautiful communities that we all come from and we're building, it. we have beautiful community, communities here, It'll be everlasting, but yeah, just let us, we just wanna have a discussion at the table. It's, it's been so clear from the beginning and our freedom's back and we can header all back. But yeah. Thank you for your, your example you. and strength.
4: Thank you. Thank you. So listen, thank you everybody for being here today. I want to, uh, many of us will be here to uh, answer further, further questions. Um, but to sign off, we'll say come to Ottawa for freedom this weekend. I'll be here. Sandy will be here. And I will say, great fellowship in freedom will be here in Ottawa. Come down and join, whether it's a pig roast or a pancake breakfast or whatever else. Uh, or maybe I understand, I hear there may be some pillow talk in Ottawa this
1: weekend as well.
4: And regardless, Justin Trudeau, Jim Watson, the new chief of police, you can be all be certain we will be standing with the truckers firmly with our feet planted here in Ottawa, and wherever they go, we'll be going with them. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Live from Ottawa, press conference.
0: I just stopped off and got a brand new phone threw mine out it's about uh, two miles back now and uh, it's pieces all over and so yes I was littering <sighs> how's everybody doing out there it is Carrie from the fabulous whistle stop cafe in beautiful downtown near Alberta. you're not downtown, but somewhere no, just somewhere open. in near Alberta and we're gonna try this again that first video never happened That's good to know. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Bernice for giving big hugs to everybody at Monstrosity Burger in beautiful Winnipeg. We had the Monstrosity Burger and the poutine and some field cutlets and they were amazing. Thank you so much. Another shout out to Matt for filling us up and buying us dinner. That was unexpected and such a pleasant treat. So, and having said that, I think we can just jump right over to Chris. No, hi to I have to say hi to. Okay. She put me on the spot. I hate when she puts me on the spot. Okay. We're gonna jump right over to Chris. Chris has lots to talk about because he started to talk about it. He was telling us a story, and now I'm not sure how that's gonna go.
9: Well, yeah, I was I was trying to tell a story about this imaginary place called Canada where some stuff happened, but um, I'm gonna skip the story and I'm just gonna recap. Okay. Instead, so this might sound imaginary, but it's not. So two years ago, uh, millions of Canadians were were forced to start dealing with perpetual government mandates that removed or infringed or restricted their rights and freedoms. Now there were some people, and still are, who can see both east and west at the same time and they pound on their keyboards and phones screaming that this is a pandemic and everybody is dying and you don't deserve to have any rights and freedoms. Well, unfortunately for those people, that's not how the charter works. But anyway, let's ignore that for now. So two years ago, millions of people were forced to um, submit to endless government mandates and restrictions. Now over that time, People have realized that what the government said was wrong. Ugh. They've been caught lying on more occasions than we can count. They've been—they've done stuff so disgusting as use children's deaths to try and further their narrative and agenda. Um, it's been absolute insanity. So over the course of this two years, there's been millions of Canadians who realized something was wrong and they've they've tried to stand up for their rights. And it seems that every turn they get just squished by the government because the government has infinite resources that they steal from you and I, by the way, and they use those resources to fight us. In addition, they make law that says they can do those things before they ever prove that it's necessary. And that's why I've said on a few occasions that we don't really live in a free country. We're supposed to, but we live under the illusion of freedom. And I say that because if your government can take away your rights and freedoms without justifying it uh, before they do it, you're not really free. And we're seeing that right now. It's blatantly obvious. I mean... The Prime Minister of Canada, without any parliamentary debate, lying, saying that he has talked to the premiers and they agree, that they enacted the Emergency Measures Act, or Emergency Act, or whatever you want to call it now. Let's just call it the, the War Act. They're seizing people's bank accounts. I guess seizing is the wrong word, freezing freezing is better. They're freezing people's bank accounts and the crime that causes their bank accounts to get frozen? Helping a trucker. Helping a trucker travel to Ottawa to go in front of our parliament, which is where we speak, and protest. Protest their right to earn a living being stripped away from them. Uh, Losing homes, losing their trucks um, losing everything that you lose when you can't earn money. So those men and women are there using their voices. And our Prime Minister, instead of acknowledging that there is a real conversation to be had here, has tried at every turn to squish this movement. He's tried making the rest of Canada think it's a racist, white supremacist movement, and it's evil, and it's all a bunch of common criminals. Well, that was a lie, and I think a lot of people by now know that. Um, he's tried using the police services to bully and intimidate people into leaving. Even now, as people are starting to be arrested for the, the horrible crime of mischief, um, the Prime Minister and the... What's the... Deputy Prime Minister Deputy, yep. are talking about how they're going to inflict pain on these terrible Canadians who are doing nothing more than protesting and standing up for themselves and I I feel terrible because I'm on my way home we had to leave Ottawa right before this happened and no, we didn't know it was going to happen but we're going to try and make our way back Um, There's a lot of people asking, well, what do we do? So, before I tell any more of that story, I'm going to answer that. What we do is we keep on standing up for ourselves and standing up for each other. And we do it in the same way that we've done it this entire time, which is peacefully within the law and out of a place of compassion for our fellow Canadians. And every time the government does something like like brings in the emergency act and starts freezing bank accounts. Or um, using the courts to stop a fundraiser that was there to help these truckers have their voices heard. Or what else have they done? The the Ottawa police service stealing people's jerry cans and fuel and leaving trucks uh, to freeze overnight. Or how about now using the media and child protective services of all things to try and bully and intimidate people into leaving. And throughout all this, no conversation. And it's not like it's just a bunch of truckers or a bunch of rednecks that are at, at Parliament Hill right now. We had some of the world's top doctors and scientists there speaking. And lawyers. Support, and what? And lawyers. And lawyers. And one of the signatories to the Charter Rights of Freedoms standing with the truckers saying that the science and the law supports what the truckers are saying. The science supports ending all the mandates. The science also supports holding those who are trying to force these mandates on Canadians accountable as does the law. So, yeah I mean, Chris Barber was arrested today for mischief. Tamara Leach was arrested today for mischief. I wonder if I'm going to get arrested when I get home.
0: Well, that's a question, too, because you have a document that looks like legit. We uh, are still in the process of verifying it, but it actually names a bunch of people that are associated with the, uh, what would you call it, the groups. Oh, yeah, get this.
9: Some idiot and some two-bit law firm decided they were going to file a class-action lawsuit against pretty much anybody whose names they knew were associated with the convoy. Um, and what was it for? For a horn honking? Yes. So they did this days after the honking stopped. They named me on there, which is quite interesting because after day two or day three of being in Ottawa, I was actually one of the ones who said, hey, we should start toning this down and being quiet so that people can get on with their lives and don't have to listen to honking horns. And yet, I'm named on this lawsuit saying, I'm going to go to jail if I honk my horn. Well, the fact that I was an advocate for toning down the horns and letting the residents of Ottawa get some peace, that aside, nobody's going to tell me I can't honk my horn. That's Interfering with the safe operation of my motor vehicle,
0: especially if something, somebody's in front of you and needs to get the hell out of the way. So one of the things too about the way that you did the uh, the advocating for the honking was you said it would be what eight eight a.m. to eight p.m. or seven a.m. to seven p.m. and for two minutes on the hour yeah. as kind of a a blast for solidarity, and that kind of worked and then they ended up going really crazy they did it for 10 minutes every half hour so at the top of the hour it was for 10 minutes straight and then at the bottom of the hour it was 10 minutes straight and I know when we ended up doing stuff at the stage we had to work musicians and speakers into 20 minute blocks, and that really only lasted for maybe three or four days before they finally understood what we were trying to do
9: yeah and and I get it that people were annoyed about what the noise it was an inconvenience for them. But how many of those people thought about the inconvenience that these truckers are facing that they can't even feed their families anymore because they can't do their damn jobs because of unjustified government interference? That was the whole point. Ah. Oh, it's so frustrating. Anyway. So I'm named on this class action lawsuit. And you can <laughs> you can bet your ass that there's going to be some repercussions to those that are trying to sue me over this. Um, in their infinite lack of wisdom, they also named the previous owner for my business. Yes. Like what what law firm did what law firm did this? Did they do any research? Do they actually know what they're doing? They're trying to sue people for honking the horns after they've stopped honking the horns? Like, what's the remedy here? Oh, your honor, these people won't stop honking their horns. Please make them stop. Well, they've already stopped. I know, but please make them stop more. I don't get it. So, to the Happy Goat Coffee Company, is that what it was? Something like that. And whoever else decides to be a plaintiff on this class action lawsuit, watch for a counterclaim. Because now you're dragging my name my business and my friends names through the disgusting, lying media, you're harming me, my character and my business, and you're gonna pay for that. So, you know, I'm I'm good for you for using the courts to get people to stop honking the horns after they'd already stopped honking the horns, but now you're gonna have to deal with the repercussions of doing what you did, because I don't take stuff like that lying down. And no, that's not the first piece of paper like that I've ever seen with my name on it. So, uh, I'm pretty much everybody out there in Facebook land knows what I think about those piece of paper pieces of paper that tell me what to do. Wow, you got anything, Kerry?
0: Well, there was a uh, couple of things. The one, uh, the one thing with, that we heard about was the uh, Child and Family Services were now going in and telling that uh, it's now illegal for kids to go to the protests with, I'm assuming their parents, unless the kids know how to drive a big rig, maybe, no, maybe it's not. That's Danny? a lie.
9: Oh, it's a lie. That's a lie. Okay. It's an intimidation attempt. tactic and it's just, it's its one more nail in, their, in the government's coffin. So what it is, is you, you can't take your kids to a place where you know there's going to be crime committed. You can't take your kids with you if your purpose is committing a crime. And the crimes according to the Emergency Act are actually listed on it. And it's things like interfering with critical infrastructure, not blocking a road, critical infrastructure, which was done due to the bridge being blocked. Nothing to do with the Ottawa protest. What else can't you do? You can't, critical infrastructure. Can you
0: you block an intersection?
9: It's all on there, but it's basically, The Ottawa Police Service is trying to threaten and intimidate families by saying, we're gonna take your children from you if you don't stop protesting. It's a bunch of lies and manipulation. And they already had, their chief of police had to resign. I'm assuming because he was busted in his stupid lies. And do do you really think the rest of this is gonna fly? Do you really think the rest of government is going to allow the Trudeau government to abuse their power like this? I don't think so. His plan, I'm sure, is to just have this this emergency order crap in place as long as he can without having to answer for it. So they've got their seven days, and then they're going to leave Parliament, and then he's going on vacation again. Because that's what he does when the country's in crisis, right? Little weasel runs away every time the country wants to have a discussion or he does whatever he can to silence people that don't agree with them by calling them racists. Talking about a single flag that was waved at Parliament Hill. Like, oh, you stand with swastika flag waving individuals. No, there was one bonehead there that had a stupid flag. Everybody in this, or- in this movement, they condemned that. And that's all the prime minister can talk about. He can't. Doesn't even mention that there's millions of Canadians united in their fight against him, his government, who got 20 percent of the popular vote, is now freezing people's bank accounts and bullying them into submission. And if you really think, if you really think for a moment that that kind of crap is going to work, Mr. Trudeau, you got another thing coming. Carrie, you're going to have to speak for a minute because I'm just okay. going to
0: work on turning the truck. There you go. Yeah, you need to drive. So the other thing that uh, we heard about was that uh, the uh, Ottawa police can also go in and seize your pet. So not only can they seize your, your kid, they what? can now seize your pet. And if the pet is not retrieved, is that the proper term? After eight days, little little... Little Bandit dog is no more.
9: I had a dog named Bandit.
0: Yes, uh, so did I. That's why so I brought that up. So now the
9: police that, are going is that to kill kill freaking your pets? Bro- yes. Because you're protesting. Yeah. Your, your pets. They're going to kill your pets. They're going to take your children. They're going to freeze your bank account. They're going to kill your pets. They're going to take away your vehicle. They're talking to the banks about um, interrupting your financial services, i.e., mortgages and lines of credit. This is what the Trudeau government is doing, and if you People I did it again. That's okay. If you people out there who are on your couch or are on the fence, do not stand up and use your voice and speak out against this blatant abuse of power, you are going to lose your freedoms too. It is going to happen whether you like it or not. So you may as well have your voice heard now before it's too late. Remember two years ago we said if we all stand up or a year ago, if we all stand up now. This will be over before it even starts. Nope, not yet. Nope, not yet. And it didn't happen. Now's the chance.
0: Chris is driving. It's all you, carry. Okay, I can't distract him anymore. I want to go back and look through some of the comments, because I know there's uh, a lot of... Uh, yeah, I know. The the pet thing, that that actually irked me. Uh, I was quite sad about you know that.
9: I'm parking in the McDonald's parking lot. Park in the McDonald's
0: parking lot. That's it. We are in Brandon. That's where we are. Yeah, we're in Brandon. Let's and uh, Brandon. we're aiming for Regina tonight. Uh, let's see. Um, and He's got the window open because he can't see anything out of my windows because I guess I have really, really high body temperature and I fog up the windows all the time. At least that's what they say. And I'm freezing. And now, she, yeah, Jess is freezing. Hi, Jess. Hi. What else have we got here? Uh, make sure you fuel up in Brandon. And I will. We will sleep in Swift Current. You know what? We're not going to sleep in Swift Current tonight. We're going to make it to Regina, and Regina is a good place to go. And I like saying Regina. Let's see. Uh, There's a lot of comments. I wish. I wish I actually. See, it's it's easier to do these when you're stopped, right? Yeah. You know. Otherwise, we need one of those uh, gimbal things. Okay. There's someone coming over here to talk to us. Someone's coming over. That's typical. Um, yeah, sounds like social credit. Hello, that man. is going to be like
1: six different awesome.
0: videos yeah, all together. Like I thought we're I'd just uh, doing a video do that. Bitching about the prime minister. Right there you now. go.
1: As for like half the country, I know,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Coming to knock on our door here. Do, do Come and knock hi? on our door. We'll be sure. waiting for you.
9: What? There's, there's, there's some some, uh, some folks that want to say hi. hi. Absolutely. absolutely. Can yep. can you want to flip the camera?
0: camera around? Yeah, absolutely.
9: Yeah, you can do it. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you guys? Just here supporting the truckers. There are other ways, you know, supporting
1: them without leaving a mark. So meet them nice. up in person.
9: Awesome. Yeah. That's what we've been saying. It's time to start meeting people where they're at and telling the story. Yeah. Because the media sure as hell isn't doing it. No, not at all. Yeah.
8: So uh, here, this is from me and one of my other cousins. and.
9: Uh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. You're, uh, wow. Take care. Thanks, man. Awesome. Can I buy thank you a you. coffee? Oh, <laughs> no, no. I don't drink coffee anyways, but thanks
5: for the offer. Oh, you're
8: welcome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Wow. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, you guys are. You. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have no idea. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You thank guys you. have given us hope, and yes. yeah. Uh, you guys have shown Justin for exactly the person he is, and I'm, it needed to happen. So ab- absolutely. No, thank no, you I, so thank much. You. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to shake your <laughs> hands. <chance. for> absolutely.
8: <laughs> thank <laughs> you. I am so thank
2: proud you, of you yeah, guys thank, and to thank. call myself Canadian again, and I've been. Like, my entire life, I was like,
8: why, what's proud of being Canadian? And right. I finally, like, realized that, like, we are
9: strong, and yeah. We, we... We're, we're showing that little weasel that we have an identity.
8: Yeah, and there's a lot of us, and they, we, we're just not pawns on his game. Yeah. We're, we're real people. So yeah, thank you all so much.
0: Thank
6: You're
8: you. quite
0: welcome, thank you. You're gonna make thank us
6: tear up.
8: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, you That's have no idea me. how much che- I've cried watching all yeah. the yeah. videos from Ottawa. Yeah. It makes me
8: tear
9: up all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you guys are amazing. <laughs> thank, thank thanks, you. man. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Thank you. See you guys. All right. Yeah, you so have drive. the roof drive. Thank Football, you.
0: Thanks. Well there you go. I can't turn the camera on me now. Sorry. So
1: so that happens a lot,
9: just in case you're wondering. And throughout this whole thing, like when things like this happen, I have to ask myself like what what does that mean? What does it mean that two random guys young young men walk up to our truck unannounced, like nobody well I guess they knew we were coming here, but I don't yeah. think they did. No. And they want to shake our hands and they're they're throwing money at us and yeah. Telling stories about how what the truckers have done yeah. has restored their their hope in their country.
0: We've heard that story many many times on this trip.
9: Is there anybody out there that can say the same thing about what the Prime Minister is doing right now? Yeah. Anybody? One person. Is there one person in Canada who could legitimately and honestly tell me that they're proud of what our Prime Minister and our governments have done to this country? and what they've done to ins- to give Canadians hope and instill faith in their country
0: I wonder if uh, JT has hugged anybody lately
9: he, pr- he probably never stopped no he hugs people all the time
0: <laughs> mask on mask off
9: depending on the circumstance so did, did that reaction there look like people who were greeting common criminals committing mischief? That's a good question. Well, I was asking you.
0: For oh, no. I'll, I'll, I wasn't paying attention. No. I had something in my eye.
9: Okay. You're like Mark Zuckerberg when he <laughs> lost $30 million in one day. Or $30 billion. Okay. got something in his eye. Yeah. So things like that is exactly why this is so important. Because that is the most common story we get, is what is happening right now has restored people's faith in Canada. It's made them proud to be Canadians again. And it really hit home when Quebecers were telling us that. Yep. Guys and 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 women that were telling us in their awesome, terrible English, that's way better than my French, yep. telling us how two years ago they were hardcore uh, Quebec separatists. They wanted to be out of Canada. They thought Canada was, they didn't want to be part of it. Yep. And now it's totally changed. Now they're proud to be Canadians because of what the truckers did, and what what regular Canadians did to support them. So, all in all, the GoFundMe was ten million dollars. Yeah. The Gibson Go was nine million. There's another fundraiser that has eight million dollars or something in it. So we're we're talking almost, actually probably over thirty million dollars if you include the crypto stuff. Canadians, and some of our friends down south have raised $30 million to support the truckers standing up against the mandates. How much money did the Liberal Party raise last election? What does that tell you about the state of affairs in Canada? When people who have had a tough time the last two years, who don't have a lot of money to spend or, or throw around, when they're coming together and raising $30 million for a movement, that means something. And I can't help but think if the mainstream media, the legacy media had fairly and accurately reported this story, our government would be toppled, the mandates would be lifted, and Canadians would be celebrating in the street. And instead, we are still fighting for survival, hanging on by a thread. And I shouldn't even say hanging on by a thread. We're hanging on to each other. And No matter what they do to us, freezing bank accounts and taking this and taking that and throwing us in jail and persecuting us, no matter what they do, we might feel some pain, but we're going to win. And those who who are responsible for this, the, the, the government and the media are going to be held accountable. The next election? The landscape is going to be much, much different than the last one. There will be a change of government. Federally and provincially. And likely municipally in, in uh, Ontario as well, coming up in October. And there's people like me, and Maxime Bernier, and well, I'm not the same caliber as Maxime Bernier. No, but he's taller than There, He's much taller, and he has a way better accent. And blue eyes. And way bluer eyes. So my point is, there there are people of like mind who see what's going on and they see the pain and the suffering it's causing their, their fellow countrymen and women, and they're going to run in elections, and they're going to change laws. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the next federal government in Canada here issues a whole bunch of pardons and reparations for things that have been done to Canadians over the last two Same thing within Alberta. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like me, or a lot of people like me, end up in government in Alberta and start going back and looking at all these laws that are designed to keep the people in submission to government and getting rid of them. Or saying things like putting laws in place to say, if politicians are gonna interfere with the people's lives, for instance, if they're gonna tell Mr. Chris Scott that he has to close his restaurant and destroy his business and live off, you know, government handouts for X amount of time, well, during that time, those politicians live on the same thing. Maybe we'll call it, maybe we'll call it the All Animals Are Equal Bill.
0: Mmm, I like that. As reference to Animal
9: Farm. Is that what that's from? Yes. So what I'm getting at is that even though we may be experiencing some more inconvenience and possibly some pain and possibly some incarceration in the next little while, things are going to change. Governments are going to fall. People are going to be held accountable. And one of my chores, my to-do list when I get home Leighton, I hope you're watching, is to prepare some claims against some of those who have perpetrated these things on us in the last few weeks. There's been a lot of law-breaking and law-ignoring coming from the government, uh, Ottawa City Council, the Ottawa Police Service, and why should we just let them get away with it? Should we? No. Well, should we let them get away with it? I don't think so, and you know why I think we shouldn't? Because if we let them get away with what they're doing right now, People like those guys and the hundreds or thousands of people that we've met and shared the same story with us over the last couple of weeks, the hope that they had in their country will be completely annihilated. Okay. People will lose hope. They'll they will lose faith in their country. They will completely lose faith in the government, in the rule of law, in democratic process. There, there's a lot more hint on, there's a lot more in jeopardy here than just people's jobs. Like, we're talking about the future of a country, quite literally. So that's why it's important that this information goes out there. We have to start meeting people where they're at and sharing these stories and somehow forcing the media who were supposed to be there to inform us. Forcing them to inform us. And if they don't, I mean, I would love to see that Canadian media fund flushed Absolute, along with oh, every single editor, absolutely, uh, reporter, all of them, all of them that did this. Any one of them that lied to the, to the public any one of them that twisted the truth to to act as a propaganda arm for the government. Every single one of them. I would love to see them stripped of their credentials maybe their bank accounts frozen maybe thrown in jail maybe maybe treated like a second class citizen for a little while for their part in, in undermining undermining uh, Canadians like that. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe we'll just say we forgive you and that'll be the end. You got anything else, Carrie? Because I'm getting really
2: emotional.
0: Yeah. Task for everybody is still to contact your MP or any government official. You can even talk to your MLA or you can talk to your municipal uh, representative. But let them know that you're not happy with the way things are going. That's definitely, I think, top priority. And you can also talk to the Governor General. And I believe it's just, uh, what is it? A phone call. Quick phone call, but the the uh, email address is something I should remember. It's just g- gg.gov?
9: I think so. You, you can easily find it. Yeah. Is this, is, are you got the camera on you yet? I
0: got the camera on me now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to look at your ugly mug anymore. I wouldn't want to. Okay. okay. That's all right then.
9: That's why I smashed all my mirrors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're all frozen over. Hell frozen over. Um. Yeah, so that's kind of where we are right now. We're, our, our plan is uh, to just get to Regina and uh, head out first thing in the morning. They'll drop me off on the way back up to Mir. They'll drop me back off in Calgary. I'll do my stuff. And Chris is going to be speaking this weekend.
9: Because I just can't shut up. I
0: know you can't. So he'll be speaking at the Calgary Rally at Central Memorial Park on Saturday. I almost, We almost should date these. We've actually had a couple of comments that said, you guys should date these because we just don't know. I already have a girlfriend. Oh, okay. That's true. And it is... Uh, I'm going to look in my other phone because I've got two phones here. If I had three arms and three phones, that's exactly what I would be doing. So it is on uh, Saturday the 19th. Can I say that? I can't I can't see why I can't say you're speaking about something. Why couldn't you? Why well, I don't know.
9: Well, they need to know where I'm at if they want to come arrest me. That's,
5: that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true too. We wouldn't want to yeah. waste
9: police resources. That's you know. right. And then because there isn't there isn't enough resources to, you know, pull a pull a palm print or a full handprint off the window of my restaurant when it was robbed. That's true. And and I was harmed, but there's enough resources to send eighty, hundred police. That's true. Drones, yeah. helicopters. Was there a helicopter? I don't for know for that if one. A helicopter. I don't know.
0: That would have been so great bad. drone footage. Yeah. I yeah.
9: I wonder if they'll give it to me. Maybe. They had enough resources to do that kind of thing. They have enough resources to put. Uh, uh, how many extra police did they put in Ottawa? They asked for eighteen hundred. I don't know. If yeah, they I them. was
0: going to say that. I didn't see I'm that. I'm going to
9: say that they probably put at least six hundred extra extra bodies. Yeah. Plus cars, support vehicles, all that in Ottawa. They had the resources to do that because the people were speaking against the government. Yeah. Because the government was being threatened. They have enough resources to hunt you down for 10 years if you don't have your taxes filed properly they have enough resources to do anything they want to you if you speak out against the government or you don't agree with the government but when it comes down to it and you need them they don't have the resources or if you live in a rural community you wait 45 minutes for a a police officer to show up when somebody's trying to break into your house and has a gun What does that say? Who, who, where does the loyalty lie? I say that the loyalty lies to the crown first and the people second. And maybe the people only when it's convenient. Maybe that's a little, a little dark, but it sure feels like that to me. There you go, now we're flipped over to me.
0: So that address for the Governor General was info at gg.ca. I did look that up and a few people had uh, shouted that out. So thank you. And what else are we going here? Uh, I know there's snow coming, so we got to get home. Yeah, it's that's all. Here. It's snowing here already? Yeah. Oh boy, or looks we like we need some coffees. So I think that's all for now. Yeah, there's some arrests made. We're concerned about that in Ottawa. We'll try and keep you guys informed on that. Um, I think we're going to try and do some more live feeds with Gavin. Gavin was down at uh, the Parliament Hill stage today, which was great. Um, lots of people talking. And there was an, uh, here's another uh, kind of breaking story. So not only was Chris Barber and uh, Kamara Leach arrested, but if anybody is in the Ottawa area, they may know there was this um, guy that was in an abandoned car right in front of of the stage and he was causing some trouble and they tried removing him just with words a few days ago that didn't happen and I guess he started to get a little bit uh, crazy today and lo and behold there just happened to be how many cops there so they arrested him. So that basically means that that car is now out of the way of the stage. There's more space. There's more space, yeah. How yeah. Awesome. Did How did they... Well, they just probably just dragged it.
9: And that's, that's good because they did. fenced off Parliament Hill.
0: They absolutely... Yes, That's we didn't even talk about that. That's what our government does. They fenced off... I'm going to turn the
9: camera around yeah, again. Yeah. That's they, what our government does when they don't want to speak to us. They hide behind walls and fences and they use the media to try and attack and discredit us. And they just don't have conversations. Yeah. So, regardless of what side of the fence you're on about the mandates, how can anybody be happy about that? Yeah. Like, what happens if one of those other people that um, disagree with us have an issue with the government and they need their voices heard, but they can't because the government just ignores them? Like, are we going to change this before it affects everybody in Canada, or just you know, are we are we going to uh, uh, are, are we going to wait? Like, what are we waiting for? Yeah. Oh, one more thing. There has been some people mentioned that, hey, Chris, you're on probation. You're not allowed to do this. Ah, but I am. Um, my probation conditions basically say that I have to keep the peace. And I don't think I've done anything but try to maintain peace or order or encourage peaceful assembly throughout this whole thing. So... My new mission to ensure that uh, uh, Justice Germain is happy with my behavior is everywhere I will be I'll, I'll, everywhere I'm going to speak, I will be encouraging peace, peaceful assembly, peaceful protest, nonviolence, um, civil disobedience, those kind of things. So, I think that also qualifies me for people to sign off on my community service because if I go somewhere where there's a potential for violence and I go there and I say, hey, don't be violent and people don't be violent, well, that would be a service to the community, would not. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think I can get lots of people to sign off on my community service hours.
1: Awesome. Big.
9: Also, keep peace. But that means victory. Yeah. Okay, so that's all now.
0: That's all, right? That's all for now. We need coffee. So. We still got another four hours of driving. We definitely need coffee. Are you serious? I know, four hours of driving. Suck it up, buttercup. Okay.
9: You've been driving for two days.
0: You're doing a hell of a job while I just look at my phone and do social media stuff. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Before
9: you hang up, up, was there any questions on there?
0: There was lots of questions about um, what does your hat say? Taking back our freedoms. Um, I'm gonna read just a couple here.
9: So, uh, in reference to the Taking Back Our Freedoms TVOF, after you go and check out www.wsfullsteamahead.org, after
5: that, yeah,
9: go and check out www.tvof.is Uh
0: It doesn't say on there. Just look it up. Taking back our food. yeah I would think so. that's .ca.
9: I think it's .ca. check it out so they are the group that brought in um, dr. Paul Alexander dr. Hodgson, um dr. bridal um, uh, dr. Christensen dr or pardon me uh, Brian Peckford those people and Brian Dennison yeah. and oh my goodness I can't remember. Anyway, they're the, they're the group that brought those people in to speak to you. Um, all of those people are on the board of advisors for Taking Back Our Freedoms. It is basically a group like WS Full Steam Ahead in that we both want to advocate for those affected by the mandates and we want to do what we can to take back our freedoms. So, that's so
1: right?
9: yeah, it's dot ca, uh, t-b-o-f.ca. They're a great group of people. Um, they're still working really hard trying to make change and, and get information out in Ottawa. So check them out. Check out fullsteamahead.org. And if you feel like it, sign up for both because why not? Yeah.
0: And then we will see Chris on Saturday at Central Memorial Park, which is on the corner of 12th and 4th.
9: Is there parking for a picker truck
0: down there? Uh, we could probably make some parking for a picker truck. Do you know of any picker trucks? Possibly. No. We might have to get one. Yeah. Get we should, rent we one. Rent one. Buy one with all yeah,
9: donation
0: we'll, but, yeah. money. Yeah. Go buy one. Go buy one. Yeah. So buy brand a board. new one. How about a brand new one with better seats? Yeah, a million dollars. Jeepers, these! Yeah. I've still got the calluses
9: on my ass. Just right, kidding. We're not going there. Okay. We have a picker truck right
0: now. There you go. Right. And uh, who do we sign off to today? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, who do we what? Who, who do we sign off to?
9: You know, I don't think we need to do that tonight. No, no. we're going
0: to be really nice about
9: people. Yeah. And the reason why we don't need, is fun. Yes, we don't need to do yes. that tonight. Is because everybody already, everyone in Canada already knows yes. Justin Trudeau's a dick.